Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. This is Launchpad. Welcome to episode 25 of the Launchpad series with Joanne Green, Leslie Johansson Knack, Kyle Robertson, and Suzanne Salinger. Suzanne was not able to join us today, but we'll still be talking a little bit about her book. And so if you have questions for any single one of these fabulous authors, I hope that you join us in the chat ask questions, make comments. We're always excited to be live at the Bookish Road Trip, and then we air at Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This show is going to be particularly interesting. We're going to be talking about memoir. We're going to be talking about contemporary women's fiction, historical fiction, navigating the healthcare system, and our own personal sagas. We'll also figure out about what it means to be in the right or the wrong place at the right or wrong time. So on behalf of Mary Helen Sheriff, the author marketing coach, and myself, Grace Salmon, welcome to Launchpad. Let's start by introducing you to these amazing authors. We have Joanne Green with her debut, By Accident, a memoir of letting go. Leslie Johansson Knack with her debut novel, but not her first book, The Blue Butterfly, a novel of Marion Davis. And Kyle Robertson with her debut, White picket fences. As I mentioned, Suzanne Salinger was not able to join us today, but she has a fascinating look at the healthcare system called Sidelines, how women can navigate a broken health care system. So welcome to each of our guests. It's lovely to see that we have um, audience members. Welcome, welcome. We're so happy to see um, Michelle Ann Waite, uh, and Lee Bukowski, and I think it's um, as well Barbara Conry. So we have several people who are joining us live. Hey, Joanne, let us start with you. Tell us about By Accident, a memoir of letting go. Absolutely. My pleasure, Grace. And thanks for the opportunity. So I think I'm a one book gal because I always knew um, from growing up all through my career in radio broadcasting and some in television as well, that someday I might write a book. And I had a 10-year period in my life that was so tumultuous and from which I learned so much that I decided this was my story. I had to write it and share it. And I have a very short attention span. So the fact that I was able to wrap my brain around a project that took years and actually complete it um, is rather astounding to me. The short story is this. I was a person in constant motion needing to control things and needing to be the best at whatever it was that I was trying to do, be it um, a news anchor, a talk show host, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a wife, all of it. And I kept going and going and going until the end of the evening where like a cranky three-year-old, I would crash. and. Speaking of crash, uh, what happened when I was 58 years old is I was leaving work, walking across the street in a crosswalk in broad daylight, a car stopped for me, and then a truck came at 50 miles an hour, plowed into that car, which hit me. Thankfully, the car that hit me was a sedan because it hit me at a low enough point on my side that I flipped up onto the hood and that car was catapulted 50 feet down the street. I fell off onto the ground. 
And I knew that I was alive, but not much else. And the recovery was arduous, both physically and psychologically, but mostly what it did is it taught me lessons that I was, for some reason, not able to learn at any other point in life, which involved how to live in gratitude, how to be still, how to ask for help and allow people to help me. Wow. Well, and, I want to hear and many others. I want to hear so much more about that as we move through the show. We're having many people react to what was the horror of that moment with comments. So um, thank you to our audience for that um, support. Uh, that's an astonishing story. And we will come back to By Accident, a memoir of letting go. Let's go now to Leslie Johansson Knack with The Blue Butterfly, a novel of Marion Davies. Tell us about it. Beautiful cover. Thank you. Here's my uh, book. Um, this is my second book. It's historical fiction. My first book was a memoir, and I really thought I would write another memoir, but I got inspired by Marion Davies when I was on tour at Hearst Castle. And I, we had company, we went on a tour, we were standing in the, in the Gothic suite upstairs when the docent said, did you know that Marion Davies loaned William Randolph Hearst a million dollars in 1937 and saved him from bankruptcy? And I was like, no. How come we don't know that? How come we don't know when women save men? We just don't want to celebrate that in our culture, especially someone as powerful as Hearst. So, and the fact that she was a mistress, it was just all very intriguing. And I got inspired that day. I came home and I looked her up on the internet. There was only one biography written about her in 1972. She's pretty much been dismissed because of Citizen Kane. And I thought, I need to change that. And so I started researching her life and that's how the book came to be. Um, and it's a story about her life and how she grew up in Brooklyn and with her sisters and her family, her parents and how she met Hearst and got in the movies. And it's just her journey um, as a woman. Well, it's, uh, I wanna know more and more about that. I've been to Hearst Castle, that swimming pool alone yeah. is, uh, it's worth the price of admission. Uh, but what a fascinating story about women saving men as well. So we will get back to those roles of women in just a moment. And uh, Kyle, tell us about White Picket Fences. Hi, um, thanks for having me, having all of us. This is great. Um, White Picket Fences, my debut novel. Um, I I started writing, I, I was always a journaler. So when, when I retired from the world of physical therapy, um, I was a physical therapist, not taking it forever. <laughs> but um, I, you know, what are we going to do? And, and I found all of my old journals and stuff and my um, things that got um, published in college and high school, nothing major or anything. And I thought, this is what I want to do. So I started classes at Emory University and it seemed that for creative writing. Um, and it seemed that along the way, my theme kept coming out about how families and mothers are wholly involved, but how families miscommunicate and um, misperceive um, each other, family members, and how um, that lack of communication creates a lot more problems down the line 
in the name of love. I mean, we we all do it in love. So that theme has gone through all my books. My next book's coming out, completely different story, same kind of theme, mothers, daughters, communications, and how um, we need to really learn how to put ourselves first so that we are honest with everybody else. That's the problem, I think. I think that we, we tend to put other people first, so we wanna people please. And by people pleasing, we're not pleasing ourselves, therefore there's problems down the line. So that's basically a summary of, of what I write about. And I think it's a perfect segue if we had Susan Salinger with us today. Her book is called Sidelined, How Women Can Navigate a Broken Healthcare System. And she really picks up on that theme. So even though uh, we're switching from novel to um, nonfiction. In Susan's book, she talks about how women are the ones in the families who find the doctors and make sure everybody's doctor's appointments are met um, and are so frequently the very last ones to advocate for themselves or to go to a doctor. And I can see from uh, our panel that uh, that theme certainly resonates uh, with each of you. It certainly resonated with me. And Kyle, your theme of how easily uh, families can get off track, even with the best intentions, uh, resonates with me as well. Joanne, you've certainly had a varied career. We've heard a little bit about Kyle being a physical therapist. One of the things I loved in your bio was that uh, you were taught to be seen, but not heard, but apparently never listened. Talk a little bit about that. What were they thinking? <laughs> little girls should be seen and not heard. Did any of you hear that when you oh, were growing yeah. up? Yeah, well, that failed with me because if anything, uh, I went me into radio too. and was heard but not seen, um, <laughs> largely. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm that kid who in fifth grade had to write 500 times, I will not talk, I will not talk, <laughs> I will not talk. And at the very end of it, I put... 500. Isn't that enough? And the teacher wrote, it depends on you. <laughs> that is amazing. So you shared a little bit about the lessons learned. Your, your um, book is a memoir. Uh, why this story? Why now? This story now, because I think I'm not alone in, um, in this world. I think there are many, many women who see their worth as what they achieve externally in the outside world or get their worth from even what their children achieve and have a very hard time slowing down and knowing what it means to really be still. Um, also, I learned things like this phrase my mom would always say to me, this too shall pass, and I would roll my eyes. In fact, that is probably the best advice you can ever give yourself, because as depressed as you may be at any moment, as much physical pain as you may be in, this is a moment. It's not forever. It could get worse. It could get better, but it will definitely change. So understanding that whatever you're feeling at any given moment is going to change helps you to feel like you're not stuck. And that is one of many lessons that I learned that I felt I could share in story because I think we learn best by hearing about people's actual human experiences. And the one question I get asked the most is, how were you so brave to share so much, uh, to really just open yourself up? And 
My answer is that I gave up privacy a long time ago when I had kids. <laughs> so I have no secrets. It's all out there. And um, I changed a couple of names because people asked for their names to be changed. But otherwise, it's all true. Wonderful. Leslie, I loved in your bio that you said you did everything late in life. Talked about yes. that. And then please talk about more about your novel and uh, your, de your debut novel and your memoir, Doing Things Late in Life. Well, I, I think so, because I was raised in kind of an unorthodox family and kind of got a rough start in life, didn't really start out participating as a member of society till I was about 25, I think, um, because my dad was this adventurer, this crazy, um, you know, tyrant in our lives. And that's what my first memoir was about, um, growing up on a sailboat with a father who wanted to take his three daughters and sail around the world in 1970s. So um, that's what we ended up preparing to do and leaving to go do, we made it to Tahiti and that's the first memoir. And um, I think I did everything late in life because I got sober when I was 25. I was a wreck before 25. I kind of went off the rails and um, went crazy and I'm not crazy, crazy, but I mean, I went crazy with drugs and alcohol and partying in the set in the eighties. And um, so anyway, um, I got married at 29, I graduated from college when I was 31. I, I, I didn't follow the traditional path that, that kids try to follow, um, but I, I'm not a big proponent of that traditional path anyway. I mean, I think our own kids, sometimes you don't know what you wanna be when you're 18 <laughs> to go to college. And so sometimes it's best to take a year off. And so anyway, um, that's how I started late in life. And I got married late and we had kids when I had kids when I was 33 and 35. So late for everything. Not so late now. Everyone's doing it later. But um, being a writer was something I always wanted to do. So I started that late in life too. And we've got great comments. Um, Lee Bukowski says, uh, going back, that women take care of ourselves last. Uh, there's Michelle Ann Waite was talking about how she so agrees with you, Joanne, that tomorrow is always another day and our days uh, can indeed get better. So um, going to you, Kyle, I loved that in your bio, you said that you're the kind of person who jump in with fingers crossed kind of girl. How has that worked for you? Well, I, I'm, I'm a Virgo with ADD, so uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on in my head that, that struggles. But yeah, I, I'm up for anything. I love to learn. I love new things. I always lived by the adage, um, never live the same day twice. I'm kind of trying to slow down from that now, but I do try to make something different every day. Um, and um, my creative writing coach program came out of jumping in with fingers crossed. <laughs> and it's um, been great. So um, writing the novel has, a writing White Picket Fence has um, allowed me, it, it took me five or six years to get, I actually have four novels written um, and which is crazy, I know. And they're all at different stages. But if my child wanted a published book 10 years ago, it would have been published in a year. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Hands down, I would have made it happen. It's this late life thing that there's so much 
going on in my head that it's it's um, slowed the process down for me. But it's okay because I love learning. And now that I've got my first one out, I'm ready to roll. Um, I think women need permission. And I write about this. Mothers need permission to 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 go, to be them. And we always put everybody first. In White Picket Fence, Julie, the main character, um, she put her family in first so long and wanted that White Picket Fence, but kind of realized how that can fence you in. Um, and I feel women do that to themselves quite often. Yeah. So Indeed. Joanne, you talked a little bit about slowing down and Kyle Ann just talked about it as well. Um, what are the merits of slowing down and how does that um, get demonstrated in your book by accident, a memoir of letting go? More balance in life, I think. Um, I think in the past I was chasing something more than I am now. And it's so funny because people who know me well say, oh, really, this is what slowing down looks like because I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I host two podcasts and you know, promoting this book now and I have two grandchildren and a third on the way. So there's an awful lot going on in my life. But I, if I had to say it in, in a way that might make sense to people, I no longer have to decide on a given day if I'm going to do yoga or take a hike. I can do both. And what I find is that if I don't get it done, whatever that little list is, I'll get something done tomorrow. I'll get more done. The world is not going to end if I don't check off every box today at this moment. And I made a list, um, which appears in the book, of the things that I learned. And there, there are like 10 things. Things like, I don't ever regret taking time to spread joy, right? Everyone has different needs for intimacy and different needs for privacy. And just because someone doesn't show up for you when you've had a loss or when you've had a surgery or an injury, doesn't mean they don't love you. They have a lot going on in their lives as well. So you don't need to cross them off the list. Things like that. And I feel safer at a more adjusted pace. So I pay attention so that, for instance, I don't fall. I mean, just the older we get, the more things we know can happen because the more things have happened. So it, it's incumbent upon us to just really be present and mindful and aware of what's around us and how we're choosing, all, just all of the choices that we're making. And that really is, I think, the gift of getting older, too, that we have some time to pick and choose. Leslie, in your book, you talk about Marion Davis and all these uh, curious things to me, how there was a hidden child, her opulent lifestyle, her, even though she was William Randolph Hearst's mistress, she had a, something going on with Charlie Chaplin? Yes. I think she was I a modern woman. I wonder Say if what? I said, I wonder if he spoke <laughs> during their affair. Charlie. <laughs> I love it. Leslie. I'm sorry, yeah. Okay. Um, um, yes. So I think Marion was in a tough position. I mean, some people will sympathize with her and other people will judge her for making the choices she made. She's sort of a, um, a, a type of a character that's going to... Um, 
I don't know, create a divisiveness because not all everyone supports the mistress. And um, she tried to live her life the best she could. I think she was honest with herself. And I think that when Hearst would go and spend time, he had four sons with his wife. It was very difficult. He wanted to be a father. He didn't want to be with his wife, but he wanted to be a father. So I think that uh, he made choices and she made choices as well. And one of those was to fall in love with Charlie Chaplin and all his comedy and you know, Charlie had a thing for young women, that's for sure. You know, I mean, he got several underage girls pregnant and he had quite the raging career in Hollywood. And I think Marion was one of the older women that he ever became involved with. She was 28 when they started their affair. And um, wow. or, yeah, and anyway, so it is a, a fun part of the book and, not, and something that's not really been discussed or or brought out very much because everyone at the time was very private and nobody talked about those kind of things. And the only way we know it really happened now is because all of the people in their world, the satellite people, the, the directors, the costume designers, the people that were in their world at the time witnessed it. And they had subsequently written books and talked about experiences with Marion and Charlie. And so, you know, it's um, it was a fun Part of the book to read and some people have said oh you should write a whole book about charlie chaplin and marion davies but i don't think i have the passion for that um <laughs> it was mary and i was passionate about but it was fun to see her have some fun when he when hearst would go and spend time with his wife and kids so oh i love the behind the scenes um yeah. so lee bukowski uh happened to love your book leslie and uh michelle ann wait says thank you for giving us that uh, great history. Um, you kind of opened the door for some discussion about research. Uh, Kyle, research for your book? Um, yeah, oh, definitely. There's always research. Um, no matter what, no matter if it's, it's location or um, um, even character traits. Um, my character happens to be a military brat, which I was one. So I did go back into my timeline a little bit and, and learn why we were in different areas, which I didn't pay attention to as a kid um, and that kind of stuff. My second book has a lot of research in it. Um, uh, a lot of uh, Victorian, it's not a historical fiction, but I'll just say it. My, my character builds miniature replicas of historical rooms and which is something I used to do for fun too. But um, so, so I got to do a lot. There's a lot of comparison between um, modern um, Frank Lloyd Wright versus Victorian cottage. There's a lot in that theme um, because women are different in those two time spaces. And so if you live one way and think another way, that's where her dichotomy came in. So I, I believe, but in saying that, back to Joanne, when you were talking about balance, I feel for women, balance isn't 50-50. We all know that, right? I mean, no matter what you're looking at, it's not 50-50. But what I teach is that balance is knowing which hat to wear when. And that allows me to... Uh, move things from my, I'm a kind of a brain nerd, but remove things in my track and put on a different hat so that I can focus. I told you 
the ADD Virgo thing. I have to be organized in my ADD and that's how I do it. <laughs> so, but so, so there is a lot of research. There's always research going on. I'm especially in words and, and I'm kind of a stickler on semantics, which isn't a good time in the world to be stickler on semantics, but I love semantics. So I do do a lot of research and true meaning of what I really am trying to say or portray for you. Well, one of the things that I know that our listeners are always fascinated by are what are some of the things that the authors do when they're not writing? Um, Joanne, you mentioned your podcasts. I love that one of them is called All the F Words. Tell us about your podcast works. So All the F Words is a co-hosted podcast between two writers, myself and Gabby Moskowitz, who's 30 years younger than me. So it's a two-generational take on all different issues, starting with the letter F. And one of us researches the topic and so has the latest information, can cite articles, and the other is more sharing from her life. So we tackle subjects ranging from feng shui and fake meat to fundamentalism and fanaticism and family functions, and uh, it just goes it. on from there. My other podcast um, that I'm I'm doing every other week is called In This Story, and they are my micro essays. And people always say, what's your next book? I'm not sure there is a next book. And if it is, I think it'll be a compilation of essays because my wheelhouse really is writing short essays, uh, flash nonfiction Mm -hmm. micro essays. And these are stories from my life. I worked in rock and roll radio in the 70s in San Francisco. So everything you're imagining right now happened and these are some of my stories i think leslie Leslie was there i think (laughs) well not yeah actually we were in the bay area in the 70s i love it leslie talk a little bit about what do you do to listen to (laughs) leslie what do you do when you are not writing well we have a sailboat i grew up sailing so we have a sailboat um you know, I like to walk. We walk a lot, uh, listen to books a lot because I'm in front of a computer a lot. I try not to read all the time because I'm always on a screen. And so I try to walk and listen to books and I like hiking. I love the redwoods. Um, I just, I'm spiritually connected to nature and really feel connected. Like I wish we could do more for nature. And I wish we raised our, raised our children to respect nature more in this country, because I think it's, a thing and well and you're in a anyway. beautiful part of you're a beautiful part of the world kyle ann you were involved yes. with the women fiction writers association and very much in your um home area will you talk just briefly about that yes um uh, there's about a dozen girls in the area uh, women that come into my house once a quarter and we try to talk about a craft subject and a business subject sometimes it goes off um we want have a wonderful um gir- girl that that writes for the wine enthusiast. She brings wine every week, every time. But it's very good. It's a great commodity. We ran up to Tampa for Mickey's book launch. We support each other. We we were doing tent events together in the area. We're um, doing whatever we can for each other, in, in all honesty. It's like, if you need a review, tell me what to write, I'll write it. <laughs> you know, what do you need from me? I'll do it. And that's what we do for each other. Well, that's the power of uh, authors supporting authors. Um, Excuse me. One of our listeners was saying that it's great that um, you're writing about the things in the 70s because it is so relatable. 
Yeah, we have just a few minutes left. So I want to just go very, very quickly around the room, uh, starting with Joanne. How has writing changed your life? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm having the time of my life. I am happier than I've ever been at any other point in my life. And I'm feeling more like me and going around and meeting other women who are older and have gained wisdom from life and sharing experiences is just the richest thing. Wonderful. Leslie, same question. How has writing changed your life? Well, it is something I've done my whole life, but publishing has changed my life. Um, and I've always wanted to be a published author, even back when I was young and teenager, uh, a young teenager. So I feel like I'm coming into myself. It's like I'm finally being who I really am meant to be in this world. It's like, I'm a mom, yes, I have all those other things, but I'm, I'm a writer and I want to get better at that, so. That's fabulous. And, and I, I would agree with uh, both of your comments. Kyle Ann. Well, I went back to school and got my creative writing certificate. And it, it, like I said, if it was for my children, it would have been done years ago. It's hard to put myself first. I, I have seven grandkids and four kids. So I travel probably once a week, every month to Massachusetts, North Carolina, or Georgia. And I love coming back and being alone now because <laughs> I have stuff to do for me. And it has been enlightening. This is great. I want to say that this show has inspired me. Um, I've written now seven books, uh, but this show particularly um, spurred Launchpad, the countdown to writing your book, which I co-did with um, a series. The whole series was done with almost 40 authors. This one was done with Emma DeHancey. Um, Launchpad, the countdown to publishing your book, which I co-did with um, uh, Stephanie Larkin, and our last one, which I love doing with Mary Helen Sheriff, our author marketing coach on marketing. So I love that we continue to grow throughout our own journeys. And I'd like to thank our viewers who were with us today. Hello to each and every yeah. one of you. Joanne, thank hold you. up your book by accident, a memoir of letting go. This one. <laughs> There you go. Leslie Johansson Neck, The Blue Butterfly, a novel of Marion Davies, and Kyle Robertson, your book, White Picket Fences. Um, thanks to each of you. I'm sorry, Suzanne Salinger, with her book, Sidelined How Women Can Navigate the healthcare, a Broken Healthcare System, could not be with us, but I'm so glad that each of every one of you were. Thanks so much for being here on Launchpad. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.